took my chain away. I don't want the levels of wealth to look too high. I almost wore um I almost wore the choker that I wore on Halloween. Like the ones with the thing, just for the call. <laughs> I changed my mind. All right, we'll get it started. We'll get it. Started. Give me give me one second. Oh, we already started. Oh. Do you want me to go get my chain hey. too? I'll do it. No. Babe. No. <laughs> I just have to stop in post production. Baby. I was trying to, I was trying to scream at TT, tell her I'm, I'm doing a podcast. I just texted Jenna. She's in the shower. I think. Pretty boys. Okay, I'm doing All right. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another THP Strength podcast, the greatest vertical jump podcast in the world. We have the highest jumper, Isaiah Rivera. Isaiah, go ahead, say hi. Hello. And the most versatile, five foot nine. Actor, basketball player, sales extraordinaire, Austin Burke. Austin, introduce yourself. Hey, it's it's a pleasure to be here, guys. Uh, I really, uh, I'm really grateful. I was also coughing like really hard because I choked on my coffee. That's why I muted it. So, what's up? (laughs) And of course, myself, the coach of these two fine gentlemen and the co-owner of Teach Me Strength. Athletes we've coached, as you guys know, Jordan Sutherland, Isaiah Rivera, Dom Gonzalez, all those awesome guys. We'll just start off by saying this. If you guys are interested in coaching, go to tspstrength.com, best jumps coaching in the world. We will increase your vertical more than anyone else. And if we can't, no one else will. I frequently say that because I believe it. Anyways, guys, we're going to get into it by giving you a little bit of an update on how much we've actually improved our verticals each collectively and that process in the last, we'll say, six months to a year. Uh, We talked a little bit about Isaiah's vertical getting up to 50.5. We talked a little bit about Austin whenever he was kind of coming back in dunk camp. And recently, myself, my vertical shot up, and I'm almost doing an knee space. So we're going to talk about that stuff. I guess we'll start off with you, Isaiah. So firstly, uh, tell us a little bit about what the last six months of your training has looked like. So post-dunk camp, uh, tested 50.5 inches at dunk camp. After that, I started doing a plethora of dunk events. I was forced out of retirement by, by Kador. Um, and I basically just started competing like every three weeks, I want to say. Um, and we were doing a lot of like max, max strength work, uh, load management. Um, n- there wasn't really any time to do any like specific cycles. Um, and that's literally what I've been doing. I've just, I haven't even tested my vertical since then. Uh, but I've, I've probably had the best four or five months of dunking of my life. Um, recently, dunk events slowed down a lot, and I've probably had the worst month of dunking <laughs> that I've had in years due to uh, just me going insanely hard in the gym. Um, and I don't think I've really been documenting it a lot, so a lot of people don't know how hard I've been I've been training. But, yeah, just never-ending fatigue and that sort of thing. So... <laughs> Um, and also I, I, I mentioned this to, I forgot who I'm, I think I was talking to Travis, but it's weird having done all these like dunk events and being used to dunking in like a really high competitive, high adrenaline environment. And now I'm back to dunking by myself and it's just like really hard to, (laughs) to get it going. My, my dopamine receptors are probably all messed up. (laughs) Austin and I are, that's our preference. We're like, oh, no one's around gonna be a great (laughs) it's like unless i'm confident or i'm in a position of leadership like if i'm in a position of leadership where i know i'm like top dog then i'm like 
come on guys but if i'm like you know <laughs> under there yeah definitely like to be alone instead for sure i i personally my favorite is just being like the sleeper dunker you know when you come in and you're like yeah i just like really been sucking recently i don't think i'm gonna jump well and then you drink <laughs> a ton of caffeine and everyone and then you just like intentionally start sucking and then all of a sudden <laughs> get really good <laughs> That, that happened to me at dunk camp that was like i remember i was warming up the day i hit my first like my first inverter i remember i was like trying to do a two-hander like my normal two-hand warm-ups and that was the week after i rolled my ankle and i was like trying to dunk and i couldn't dunk and i was like well this is it for me like all this preparation like i'm done and then i just like pushed through and i hit an inverter and i was like all right cool i will Great. i will say this and i i talked about it in my in my last youtube video but like don't judge your how your training's going based on like a random session in the middle of a training cycle um because in the middle of this terrible month of dunking i had like a really crappy session um and then a week later i was in a dunk contest killed the dunk contest went to the nba court got my head above the rim on the nba court went back to my house went right back to sucking <laughs> so like <laughs> Don't don't judge your progress on those like lonely sessions where you feel crappy. Yeah, I will say I, like my I recently had one of those and I was like, I'm just doing this. It, it's almost like what Marshawn Lynch says, where he's like, I'm just here so I don't get fined. It's like the same thing. I'm just I'm just here so my vertical doesn't get fined. Yeah, I'm just here so my vertical doesn't go down. Um it, even, if even if it's a horrible session, it's like you have to get those reps in. You know, it's it's just so important. You got to try to pull yourself out of that and have a good session. So with all that said, you know, the topic is, you know, you increased your vertical from 48 to 50.5. You've had some time to process it. I know we covered this in a little bit of detail in previous podcasts, but what do you think was the key for you getting from 48 to 50.5? And then what do you think is going to be the key for you in getting from 50.5 to anything higher than that? You know, touching maybe 12, four and a half, 12, five and a half, 12, six. Yeah. The, I would say the key was stringing a few months together of being able to do max strength work and jumping consistently. Um, before that, like it would either either an event would pop up that would derail the training or I would get some kind of injury that would derail the training. Uh, but for a solid eight months, I was able to like squat heavy consistently, deadlift heavy consistently um we had a few training cycles where we did like power work which i rarely had gotten into it um where i was like jumping multiple times a week um and then yeah i think all that just like stacked up into the into a perfect storm um of progress and then as far as what i think it would take for me to touch 12 6 i don't even i don't even know i getting stronger always helps <laughs> bro i got some cobwebs like if you can jump up and like wipe them next time you're down here like i just thought like they could actually like just like, help me out because i saw speaking speaking you of saw my cobwebs no this is something similar i was on tiktok and i saw a kid his, his high school had like a like a 14 foot ceiling and then he did like a wall run but it was like you know how people you usually do like two steps if you're like good yeah, like <laughs> i remember at school i used to try to wall run and i would get like two steps like when i was feeling nice in the anime kids this kid was in in the <laughs> yeah this kid he like was on a corner of a room and he like took like three steps on one three on the other and then almost uh like did a height check on the ceiling it was like 14 and feet. he landed from that like yeah yeah <laughs> I, I I don't know how the landing looked. The video stopped with him like trying to kiss the ceiling. Yeah, he died. That's what happened. He fell and both of his legs just went like that. 
<laughs> There's a reason they didn't show the end of the video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, no long, he's no longer with us. Yeah, they, they have like a little like memorial in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> like, rest in peace, John. Uh, yeah, I would say being your, your coach and looking at things, obviously strength work has always been a really, really potent stimulus for you. I think for anyone that wants to jump higher, obviously, that's like low-hanging fruit. You know, I always say that strength is ultimately – you know, the ceiling for what you can produce in terms of power, right? So you can't produce more power than you have strength, right? It's impossible because the maximum force generating capacity of the muscle wouldn't necessarily, you know, exceed that. Now, obviously, if you're looking at plyometrics and you're adding in the tendons, you know, function in that, that changes a little bit. So uh, here's a, so here's a question while we're on the, on that topic. So you, you have two athletes, right? They're the exact same. They're they're twins. Let's say it's you, <laughs> you and your you and your brother, but but you guys can jump the exact same height, around the same speed, all that stuff. Okay. Uh, same same exact strength levels. Would you progress more maxing out the the power side of the equation, or would there be more gains? Max, getting you as strong as as possible, and how do you decide which one to focus on? So, um, am I the twin with the clone in this scenario, or is it you? uh either one whichever one you want to do so i think the first thing is you have to pick who your person is right that's the first thing you have to do and i think that the the next thing you have to do is look at what qualities they already have so if and obviously assuming that they're fully healthy i think that is obviously a big assumption so because that 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 usually is the limiter in whether or not someone's actually going to be able to train to get to that next level or not. And so I would say the first thing I would do is I would run an assessment on that person and say, okay, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Uh, usually I can just watch someone jump and it's not that difficult because based on how they jump, I'm going to be able to tell, do they amortize well? Are they coordinated? Are they strong? Are they, you know, what, what are their, are they very elastic? What qualities do they have and do they not have? And where are the gaps in their vertical that are going to be, again, low-hanging fruit? If it's a simple, as something as simple as just teaching them how to do a penultimate step and teaching them how to use their block foot, then obviously that's going to be the first place to start. But back to your question of whether or not I had to pick between strength and power, I think that it would depend on what they did previously. So if they previously were doing a lot of strength work, I'm probably going to be inclined to have them do a little bit more power power volume. You know, If they were doing a bunch of power volume, I'm probably going to have them do a little bit more even faster work or higher force work, higher velocity work. That would generally be the approach that I would take. But if they're weak as hell, I'm definitely going to have them get strong. That's going to be the first box that I want to check because there are, there are a few cases where our athletes are strong enough. Like it's, it's pretty rare. I think your friend, uh, that, that was a power lifter. Yeah. Like in a group chat with him, what's his name? Hams, is it Hamza? Uh, Hamza Rusin? Yeah. So he's a scenario where I would actually be hesitant and we, we tried this, right? or I tried this with him, um, I would be hesitant to give him too much strength volume because he already was so strong and he was struggling to dunk, you know, before I think, because what happens when you lift that heavy, that slow, that frequently, you actually lose the kind of a, a little bit of the fast twitch capabilities of those muscles. That's why you see a lot of power lifters cannot jump because they're always lifting maximally and they're always lifting pretty slow. They're trying to lift fast, but because the weight is always moving slow and they're never moving fast, moving fast, they can't, they can't move their bodies very fast. Yeah. So, and they're never practicing jumping yeah, usually. Exactly. I think too. 
a huge gap. And so I think in that scenario, and Chase Chase was like this too, uh, my friend who we trained with in North Carolina, he's so strong. He could he could like powerlifting back squat, like whatever, 500 plus pounds or something insane when he was in high school. And he could not throw a medicine ball over his head half as far as I could. Um, and I was, uh, you know, half as strong as he was in that same lift. And so I think that in that scenario, you need to address that and you have to, to really try to get the contractile velocity and the coordination to kind of come back um, because guys really lose that that power output. And I, I think a lot of times guys have a bad concept of how strong is strong too. Like I know a lot of the guys we get on THP, they'll tell me that they're strong. Like I'll get on a call with them and they'll tell me that they're strong and they're like a two foot jumper. And then I'll be like, oh, what's your squat? And they'll be like, oh, it's like 300 pounds, which is like, it's it that's a good squat for like the average person but i feel like as a two foot like dunker like that's not very strong at all like i would try to get you into like the mid 300s like high 300s and stuff like that i think um, it's like how are you built you know mm-hmm. Jimmy, jimmy's five nine jimmy ho the guy that i dunked with um he's one of our full service guys jimmy's five nine with pretty short legs so for him to have in you know equitable level of output in a squat he has to squat way more weight than you do and recently he hit 45 and austin you know your legs are a little bit shorter than than mine and isaiah's so you as well have to be able to squat heavier because i do have long legs though like for my height like i think isaiah and i realized that we went to miami for the wedding and i wore like a like a dress shirt and pants and we tucked it in i was like why does my upper (laughs) my torso look so tiny like it was so bad his hips are like almost like to mine it it looks like uh mike wazowski from monsters inc like it was like you know it was like that and i was like i got like i just i don't know i know i had long legs which i think is a big reason you're a good one foot jumper i think yeah this is the long legs they're longer than what we realized you know who who scared me who is b rough b rough his how long his legs were was like actually scary <laughs> wait really yeah so it's so small he's built like he like a six eight guy yeah like his legs it's insane it's honestly hilarious uh i, I, I love talking about people's body parts <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you do <laughs> <laughs> anyways so yeah the uh i think the anthropometry plays which is how you're built plays a big role into what sort of weight room numbers you can get because not everyone's parallel is going to be the same right because the absolute depth also you guys both reached to the middle of the screen to drink water and it looked like you guys were handling <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you austin yeah I was like, what? my goal is to make Isaiah spit his water out. Like, honestly, <laughs> just it. like one of these, like I thought last time I've been in it, but it was close. Um, it anyway, was close. So I don't know how it's going to configure when we watch it back, but that was funny. Uh, so uh, that being said, what, what was that? I don't even know. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the anthropometry. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. So, like not everyone's half squat is going to be equated, right? Because if I'm really tall and I go down to parallel, the absolute distance that I have to travel to get the parallel is going to be a lot a lot more than someone who is shorter, obviously, uh, with, specifically has shorter legs. So that also plays a role. And I think probably, I mean, it's definitely the case that depending on how you're built in terms of like your femur to tibia ratio, that also plays a role. I would have to kind of think about that to really, you know, make sense of it. But I would assume that that also makes a difference as well, whether you have really long tibias or you have a really long femur. Um, Isaiah, actually at the top of my head, 
I, I wonder this. Do you think that, do you have a really long femur or really long tibia? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're both long. <laughs> well, CJ, CJ is like really long femurs. Like I know, I know my femurs are shorter than CJ's. Okay. Mine are, mine are significantly shorter. Are my, are my femurs longer than yours or no? I don't remember. I don't think they I think my tibia oh, is super. I can use my hands, like hip to. <laughs> hands aren't the same length. <laughs> I look like a traffic cone lately. 16, traffic cone because you're my like, femur. Yeah, my legs are thick. Very roughly 21 inches. 21 inches. Like hip, like hip to top of kneecap. I love how, how do you know the, the dimensions of his hand? I know how how long my hand is. Yeah. <laughs> It's a it's a measuring device that has never failed him. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. As long as it, the the less hands I have to use, the more accurate it is. You should measure it like instead of using the vertex, you just stand it to somebody like. Try to get... You're like I know exactly how high it is right now. <laughs> no, he knows his reach, so he just bases it off his reach, and it's pretty. Neat. Um, well, I would. I, I heard this once actually from a guy at the gym, but he was like, you know, I I read this like study. It might have been one of the. It's like peaking or not peaking or something like that, but it's about outliers. Is that Malcolm Gladwell? Is that yeah. is that the book? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. So he talks about like high jumpers, and he's like, oh yeah, high jumpers have like the highest jumpers have the most Achilles uh, tendon cross sectional area, meaning like they have the the most tendon in their leg, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And I wonder if that's why guys with longer tibias or guys with longer tibias would be predominantly one foot jumpers. I'm not sure. I don't know. It was just a random thought I had right now. Anyways, huh. we'll move also, on. Also, also random thought. Well, random observation. I saw a person at the gym that literally had like a one inch Achilles. I what? Not, I could not stop looking. <laughs> it was like that. Was it had a, it's like <laughs> a cable, they were just bro. All caps. They were just all caps. <laughs> Did there was no taper? Was it just a cankle? No, nah, it was it was like a tiny bit of a taper, and but I you just could, imagine like, like a trunk. <laughs> and the soleus, the soleus was huge, like huge soleus, like bigger than my soleus in Austin. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah, by far. Whoa. It was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> I wish my caps were smaller. <laughs> I, it really, I it screws up my skinny jeans. Like I love skinny jeans, and like I literally cannot enjoy a good pair of jeans. Like you look ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, I think because it's like they look it'll be great like, in skinny jeans. It'll be like skinny, and then all of a sudden, like you think it would just like go straight down, and then all of a sudden it's like like baggy, then calf, and then baggy, and it just like looks funky, dude. Uh, well, um, Wait. well, that being said, we've talked about Isaiah. We talked about anthropometry. We talked a little bit about strength. Austin, I want to move on to you and your progression over the last six months to a year, and talking about uh-huh. your vertical or how your vertical has changed across the year and what led to those changes. So I guess, firstly, I'll start off by saying we know that you tested and had an inflated vertical at, at one point or another on the Vertec. Um, and then we retested a dunk camp and it was, you know, obviously a couple inches lower when we retested, but it was a lot more accurate. So yeah. Ed, talk about kind of what you think your vertical has actually done in the last year mm-hmm. or two and uh, why that has happened. Uh, yeah, so I know when I tested 44 and 45 on the outdoor, whatever, I was like 180. I never wanted to post the videos because I jiggled. I was like 185. Like the slow-mo like step was like, like I didn't want to post it. Um, and I was not doing half of the dunks I was doing. Like I'm, I'm doing now, then. So like I definitely think it was t- a bit inaccurate. Um, 
But going to the new year, obviously, like we did the podcast about me losing a bunch of weight because um, I started watching what I was eating, chilled out with the drinking, things like that. Um, and it's honestly been like what, like just quarter, slow quarter squats and no strength work for the past eight months. Like I haven't done anything. Like it just like jumped twice a week and I just steadily am improving. So this is the weirdest training point of my entire life because there is no, it seems like there's no progression. It's just like, like the same stuff. I go in there with my little bar and I'm like, slow, slow. And then I go like have like a, I almost hit like a new dunk and then I'm like, okay. And then slow. And then I dunk again. Um, that's really it. So I'm just riding it out. Um, I do think with the one foot, there's something that we talked about a lot is um, reps. It's like the more I jump, my vertical is going up without the need for strength work at the moment. I do think it will plateau soon. Uh, but for the meantime being, it's kind of fun. I would say my vertical realistically went up. Like I know in January, I could not do a windmill on nine, ten and a half, nine, nine, ten point two five, whatever. The, how high is the clear water? Uh, nine, ten and a third or something like that. Yeah. So I couldn't windmill. Like I couldn't do anything off one foot then. Um, and that was just like what it was. Like I was always able to prior, but I didn't jump for like three months. Um, I actually, I, I, I forgot about that period of time. Like that was when you were doing the sessions with Kilgannon and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I for, dang, you have improved a lot. I remember yeah, I wasn't even, I couldn't windmill or anything. Like couldn't do anything. Wow. Was that was did you in Calvary? Huh? Did you windmill on Calvary? No, I tried to, well, I saw Obi windmill like warming up and I got my ego attack, got like hurt. So I just went and tried to windmill with no warm up, and I back rimmed it and my knee exploded. Um, so in a, in five months you went from not being able to windmill to inverter. Yeah. And that's a pretty like consistent, um, thing. I can get it pretty close to making it almost every time I have a session. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I definitely think my vertical right now is probably close to like four. I would say it's close to 47 realistically like if i was good at vertex i think it went up a lot like it had it gone up at least like five six inches this year um from like the beginning of the year but like from my i guess my peak my highest jumping period probably like three or four inches i would say maybe more like i don't know i don't know what you guys think like i, I don't know i, I haven't really i think of- so i think because when you send videos of you dunking on nine nine your head looks pretty close to the rim. Yeah. Um, I would guess your vertical is probably around forty six. That's what that's what I would guess. Yeah. Well, do you think if uh, you're not well, going to high check? The thing is, I'm not. I mean, I I can do them off one. Like, do you think I you could try, knock a foam roller off a nine nine rim? I think I think so. Like, especially if I'm getting full speed on my approaches. Like today, for example, that would be a viral video. This. Yeah, that would. We should try. I'll try that next time. Um. But today, John, like literally someone walked on the court with like boots with mud and there was just chunks of mud everywhere. So I was trying to get more speed on my jumps, but like I was like slipping on certain things. It was like, I don't know how to explain it. Love um, it. But I definitely, I definitely think once I'm confident in my knee and I'm going full speed, I definitely think I can hit my head up like or hit a foam roll. Not, not easy. Um, not easy, but I think because like I'm, I'm going in there with no adrenaline. Like I haven't eaten most of the sessions. I'm like just it's just a normal day at the gym. It's not like any type of event. I think it, yeah. especially with some adrenaline, I can Cause, do that. Because if you're five nine to nine nine, that's forty eight. That that would yeah. equate to like a forty five on a vertex. So I think mm. I think you're around forty five, forty six right now on a good day. And I think when we yeah. had tested previously, you were probably at like forty two. 
Like that 45 inch mm-hmm. jump was actually 42. Yeah. That's what I would guess. I just remember like looking at it and I was like, there's no way that's 45 inches off the ground. Like that is like, I was like, there's no way. And I did it after like a long day of landscaping. Didn't I come straight from landscaping? Yeah. Like I came straight from work, put on some shorts and just burnt. And I think, I think that day I, I like one step, like 11, nine or something like that. And like, I was uh, n- not, not feeling very good, which is like, that would be a freaky jump for me. Yeah. Um, there there, I definitely know, like, well, at dunk camp, like, I was testing, and then B-Rough randomly ran in the middle of my test and just knocked the Vertex, like, just to mess around, and then we didn't know where it was, because I know I tested 44. Remember, I tested 44 at dunk camp on the Vertex, and then I was going for 45, but then I ended up just saying, screw it, I want to hit 46, and I remember I was very close to hitting 46 at dunk camp, but I wasn't really jumping my best at dunk camp. I think, like, now I can out-jump my like post-session, so it's kind of hard to say. You were like post session, like you were after the session, after your dunk session, trying to test. It was not an ideal situation. And one foot is like so sensitive to fatigue, and that's that kind of like brings me to, you know, my my progression in the last I would say what like I don't know since three months before dunk camp. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think one foot is is so variable. You know, you could have you know, a day that is the best day of your life and you're getting your head to the rim and you might go the next section and barely be able to dunk. And I know Kilgannon is kind of like that as well. Like when he does a lot of strength work, he really, really struggles with it. And Isaiah, I know you've said this in the past that he like tends to take in a lot of caffeine and stuff like that before sessions. I don't know if he still does that, but I will say that I've noticed a ton with myself is on my best sessions when I'm absolutely flying consistently, I, I drink a lot more caffeine and i am well offloaded from any weight room activities you know i'm pretty much just jumping at the time and i think that especially with one foot where rhythm is so important and i think that the anticipation that is a major factor when your muscles are turning on and off is you know kind of dialed in when you're jumping more off one foot and i think that the caffeine upregulates that process and we know that you know the contraction of muscles changes with stimulants and for me, I've just noticed that when I'm heavily, heavily fatigued, I, regardless of how much caffeine I have, I really, really, really struggle to jump off one. I, I think there's a video I posted on my Instagram where I barely am dunking off, you know, a lob on a 10 foot one or 10 foot, I think it's like a 10 foot one rim. And don't get me wrong, the floor sucks, but like I should be able to do that every time. And then, you know, the next session I go to CMU with Ryan Nagel, and that's probably, I think, you know, three, four days later. And I'm finally dunking, you know, mm. a dribble or something like that. And maybe making a couple of lobs on 9-11. And then I go to the next session and then I'm dunking off the dribble on that 10-1 hoop. And then the next session I go back to CMU. And I think it was like over the course of realistically, I think the full deload took about a month uh, to fully offload after about three plus months of heavy loading. So it was like three, four months of heavy loading, dunk camp, offload, didn't really train, kind of like took a week. I kind of trained, but I was like recovering. And then I was doing load management. Then I hit it hard from like July, August, September. And then I think part of like the end of September is where I like kind of tapered off or maybe the beginning of September. It was like three, four months of training hard. And uh, then that, you know, 28 days later, that's when I had the CMU session where my head was pretty much at the rim and it wasn't really angles. That was uh, sick. I was moving away from the rim. I like couldn't believe it. Ryan Nagel was there and he was like, he texted Isaiah in the middle of the session, I think from my phone, because he was like, there's, I've never seen John jump like this in my entire life. He's like, yeah. how do you go from not making a one-hander to getting your head yeah. at the 
He's like, how is that possible? <laughs> that's the you I met. Like, that was the John I met. Like, I remember you were sending me these outdoor, ho- like, when we first met. Like, you're just, like, doing crazy stuff. You're, like, flying. Like, yeah. and, I, and I and then it just, like, that John disappeared. He went into hiding in the mountains for, like, two years. He came back out. You know, I learned so much during that time. Like, from that whole time. I think another thing was I tore my patella. You know, oh I, yeah, that played a big role in why I wasn't really able to continually progress. You know, like I partially yeah. tore patella and I could not. It took me probably eight months to, and I did not have the information I have now. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know what I was doing. So mm. if I had the information I have now, maybe that chops down to two or three months. But that injury was so bad that coming back from it just absolutely crushed my confidence and it crushed my vertical. And then I was always when i came back finally i was always switching between high jump and dunking and so dunking was never a priority like honestly speed jumping and learning how to do that was the biggest priority and then oh, yeah. COVID happened uh i hit a windmill or whatever then i moved to pittsburgh and my training went to shit. uh i was still jumping well actually at that time i was getting my head that's when i was like kind of on the way back up you know getting my head close to the rim again and then uh then i went to sf and didn't really train super well there. It wasn't the worst, but it wasn't the best. I was working on two foot actually, cause my hip was giving me issues and then slowly transitioned back into one foot over the last year. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of the, the transformation or the, the change of that. The other thing I realized too, is that the, the best session I ever had on like a nine, it was like, I think the rim is nine, nine and a half or maybe just barely nine, 10 uh, is in that court in North Carolina where we dunked with Shaquille and Dexton and Travis and Austin, you came down. Um, you remember that session? It was fat then too. <laughs> it was, but that was the hoop, the far corner hoop I'd like gotten my head close to on a one-hander before. Um, but like that was the best I'd done at that point. I could never repeat that day. It was it was so far off after that, and uh, and then I tore my patella like a couple months later. So you know, I think after. And I was always struggling with knee pain after that session. I couldn't like figure out my knee pain at the time. And then that's when I met Isaiah and, you know, I kind of obviously figured things out and had to come back from that. So yeah, that last, that session at CMU though was insane. I was flying. I was not missing anything. I was throwing the ball in. I was getting my head, you know, towards the rim on every single jump. Um, Mm -hmm. It was just ridiculous. And I think during that session, I mean, my head was pretty close to the rim a couple times. I don't know what I would have tested, but I know it was easily the highest I've ever jumped. And that rim is nine eleven and a half. So, you know, with, with that said, I think coming back to, to how that happened was again, removing, it was training my ass off for three or so months and then removing all that volume. And honestly, I came to that session feeling like garbage and then taking a ton of caffeine that caffeine, the caffeine, like it, it allows me to tap into that adrenaline without having all those people there without it being a pregame, you know, like in high school, I would do the same thing because pregame, I felt that way. I felt that wired, but I like, as I got, I've gotten older off one foot, especially it's so hard to tap into that level of adrenaline. Um, I don't know if you guys have felt that there's something like with caffeine from, I have a fruit fly infestation. Okay. So, um, with the caffeine thing, like you and Isaiah are both, I feel like so, I don't know. Caffeine affects you guys great. Like for me, if I have too much caffeine, this is a problem, been a problem for a while. It's like it overstimulated. I miss all my dunks. I get in my head. I start like I'll jump high and then I like it. I miss everything. Um, and I, for me, actually less caffeine is better. Um, I just need enough that I'm awake, but like I start overthinking, I start sucking. I start trying to like, 
I don't even know. Isaiah's seen me get mad. I seen Isaiah's seen me have mental breakdowns like at sessions because I'm like overstimulated. Um, I get overstimulated, so I, I, like, I guess, but it's after. Yeah, I guess like what's the difference between like you know people like you guys and then people like me as well who you know I like think, I don't feel positive effects. I'd rather go to the session with one little cup of coffee rather than a bang because the bang. Well, how much, John? How much miserable. caffeine? Like, is, have you seen, like, how much do you normally take where you see a good performance increase? And has there ever been too much caffeine for you? That's a good, that's a good idea. Um, that's a really good question. It's tough to say. I would say I've never, maybe once, Isaiah, in the session I was, actually, the session I hit my first East Bay on 9-8, I actually think I might have had slightly too much caffeine that day. Um, I remember you had a lot. Yeah, I had a lot of caffeine. And it was I, like three. How many Red Bulls was it? Like three of them? I'd like what? I I don't know. Why? <laughs> a lot. And, and honestly, the thing is, well, did, it was the smaller cans though. It was a small. It was like eighty milligrams. I think I had three eighty milligram cans, and I had like two cups of coffee in the morning. So I was probably at like on the day, you know, what is that? Two forty plus probably one hundred and twenty. So I was probably at three sixty on the day, which is a lot. That's a lot of caffeine. Isaiah, you and your competition, you had like what, like six hundred or something like it was, that? Yeah. I mean, his. Yeah. Was, I've seen you really, really amp it up. Uh, so for me, I would say the day that I had jumped with Nagel, it was actually in the morning. And I felt like trash and my back was sore and like there was no reason I should have been jumping high. Um, but I think I had two of the big cans of Red Bull and then I had two cups of coffee or one or two cups of coffee in the morning. Um, I would so, die. Yeah. yeah. So I probably had like, and that was like pretty strong coffee. I, I think I probably made myself a cup of coffee. So I probably there, had. 240 plus it, i think it was around 400 milligrams um maybe just under maybe like 300 mm. so I, I think that a big variable in that too that really plays a role in, in how well you respond to it is your general level of anxiety so because excitement and anxiety are the same kind of emotion and if you have a good amount of anxiety going into a session or you have a lot of anxiety in your life or a low level of anxiety uh or like let's say if it's one to 10, you're like a three, you know, or four. Yeah. And someone else is like a two or a one. The guy that's a two or a one is going to need more caffeine to upregulate. Mm. There's a guy who has a little bit more anxiety. They're going to need less caffeine. And if you're really excited going into an event, then caffeine might actually be detrimental. Yeah. So it comes back to that arousal curve. And if you're over, like you have too much arousal, too much excitement, then your performance mm. will decrease. If you have just the right amount where you hit the peak of it, then you're going to mm. have session that's, and so, that i like this because that's like, really this is always something that's in my mind that, that's really interesting because for me i've almost like i haven't found like the upper limit of where like my my jumping sees like a a neg like a decrease or whatever from from caffeine. you're not an anxious person though either like <laughs> that, you, yeah that's like what me i was and john are like that, that's <laughs> like, what i was know? gonna that's what i was gonna <laughs> say is specifically in dunking i don't think i've like ever overthought a session like i've never gone yeah. in like oh like what if i miss this or like what if i don't mm -hmm. it's always just been like oh this is like i'm gonna have so much fun like that's literally always been my mindset yeah. and the times where i've ingested like a ridiculous amount of caffeine is in like group sessions where like the the session in my birthday was a good example like i went in and lewis was amped and i had already drank uh like like a red bull or something like that and he's like yo let's chug like pre-workout with with red more red bull and i was like all right screw it and like and it's just like that like the energy kind of gets mm -hmm. to me and it's after the session where i see the negative effects of yeah. it because usually i'm like well, you oh don't my sleep. God. like 
<laughs> yeah, I don't I don't go to sleep that that night. Mm-hmm. Like I like start overthinking stuff, but in the actual yeah. session, I don't think I've ever seen a negative uh like downside to it. There was mm-hmm. one time I remember when we had the session with Billy on 99 and I don't know how much caffeine I had that it might have been you you had a bang just one bang. you don't even finish your bang the thing is you don't finish your bang so if you're finishing them at dunk battles you take a few sips I think it's placebo you put it down in the corner and forget about it <laughs> yeah and me I'm like over there like I'm trying yeah. to get as much yeah. as possible to find it like two or three times <laughs> yeah like, even, so I, I like, think I just, normally like, that bang got me because like, a bang <laughs> a bang's like 300 right it's 300 it's milligrams 200, 250 yeah, so I think usually I have like 100 to 150, and then there will be like rare times where I'll go past it. Dunk battles was a – that was an exception because I had okay. – dunk battles lasted the whole day. So we started dunking at 9 in the morning, finished at 5 p.m. So I had most of a bang, gave the rest to Sutherland in the morning. That got me like in, like through the morning. Then in the evening, I had another bang, and that got me through it. But after the contest, I was like, like wrecked. But but that technically wasn't. It wasn't like six hundred at one in one go. Like, there, <laughs> I think yeah, I would die. There was. I've been having so much trouble with caffeine because I remember uh, back in springtime, I used to get overstimulated and I was like missing all the. I was jumping really high, but I was missing every dunk. And John, I think John, you realized that I was I was taking too much caffeine because I was drinking like five or six cups of like Cafe Bustello, like full cups like this. Like, and then I would drink a bang before I would go, go dunk. I would have maybe two or so before, and then I'd have some after. And like, even the session, the nine, nine session, I chugged a bang. It didn't feel anything. Um, and I've been working on getting my tolerance down for caffeine. So I limit like two cups of coffee a day days that I dunk by myself. I have one cup of coffee before, so I'm not overstimulated. And I'm like hoping that next time I have a group session, I can have a bang and the adrenaline and go crazy. Um, but like, I've had a few experiences like dunk camp where I had two energy drinks, cups of coffee. And I was, I had the adrenaline, like where I was really sucking at first. And it took a while to get out of that mental space. Uh, your birthday session was weird because I didn't get enough caffeine. I remember I warmed yeah. up. I wasn't feeling it. And then I mid dry scooped uh, some C4. But I did not feel any adrenaline. Like I, my caffeine tolerance was so what's, high still. What's interesting is like, I think, I think I've done this like one time where I had caffeine and then had a shitty jump day. Like, I think I was like, it was going to have a session here in, in 29. Um, and it was like in like mid training cycle. And I took caffeine and I was just jumping like, like crap. And then I was like, yo, like, this is horrible. Like, why did I take caffeine? And so I think like, I would be curious how you would do. Cause I think it's really rare for you to get to a group session at your hundred percent max best I've like, never, I don't like you ever like you did like you've done a like having done a training cycle deloaded perfectly and we're healthy uh like yeah i don't even i, don't, I can't even remember a time where you've done a session like that i think under those circumstances me. if you were to take a shit ton of caffeine i think it would like help you so much but i think because it, there's there's usually like an injury you might be dealing with or like mm-hmm. so like something like that like you might not be feeling 100 yes. confident like i think it's the like john said it's it's anxiety and excitement are the exact same thing it's just if yeah. you take caffeine when you're already anxious about a session you're just going to be like anxious even more anxious about the no session. It's, it's definitely true like every big event i have like the universe is like it with dunk camp for example you guys like were like you are doing nothing for two weeks like prior i went and hooped rolled my ankle on like an inbound and then right the week before dunk camp and it, it's always something like before uh what is it before the dunkademics thing i was healthy as hell i was jumping my highest and then my knee just flared up the week before. 
Um, and then you had to like perform emergency surgery the night before to like make sure I could jump at all the next day. And then the Jordan <laughs> session for your birthday, I was not ready at all. Like my body was not, I was at an eight knee pain the whole time, which no one knows until like afterwards, because everyone was like, wow, good job. You East baby. Well, I'm in so much pain and I know I could jump higher. Like, but even the sessions I'm having now, like I agree, like I don't feel confident and I'm not going hundred percent and which is awesome. I'm, I'm cool with that because I'm still like improving. And I'm getting close to all these dunks, but I, you know, yeah, you know what I hear? I see a, a correlation doing these sessions in pain and you being in load management for eight months. <laughs> <laughs> Looks out the window. I will, yeah, I will say there was a big, there was a lot of progress recently though. Cause <laughs> you, you finally did drops when I feel like you should have been done drops. <laughs> you did do drops. It's just recently. like, I don't, I don't have a lot going on here and I really like, I need dunking to like make me feel happy. Like I'm doing something. And um, it's it's very frustrating. It's really hard. I'm gonna to I'm to gonna like. tell you what a, a lone sage sitting on a table told me when we went out one day. He said you're too attached to your dunking. <laughs> it was me, yo, me, uh, Lewis and Austin had gone out for my birthday, and it was like crazy. A lot of people. I was, was there. Just, yes, you were there. And there was one. There was one guy just sitting by himself at a table, just observing. And I literally, I think I told Lewis, I was like, yo, he looks so wise. Like, let me go talk to him. And then I went and talked to him and I showed, showed him one of my dunks. I was like, look, this is what I do. And he's like, you're too attached to your dunking. And then he just said that right to me. And then I looked at him, I'm like, you meditate, huh? And he's like, yes, I own a meditation company. And I was like, what the hell? That, that whole trip seemed like a fever dream, honestly. But no, I, I definitely am. Uh... Is that for the Jordan event? That was uh my birthday, like the night of my of my birthday. Like this past one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so <laughs> crazy. And that was yeah, like I in know. the middle of when I was in like spirituality stuff and studying it. So I was like, what is going on? He literally he just he was woke, the definition of mm-hmm. uh, wow. I, I definitely I definitely agree. Like even to having this conversation about strength work, like me losing it seems like me losing the weight and getting reps in just makes me like keeping my maintaining my weight is keeping me jumping and like getting the reps in is making me increase my vertical. Like if I can actually get healthy enough to do strength work, plus maintain my weight, plus get the reps in like how high I'll actually jump. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, I like struggling. It's, it's like really the other thing I, I don't know if like listeners can identify with is that we've been doing this since we were teenagers, young teenagers. Like Austin, you were how old when you started dunking on the rims? Oh, on low rims, like I was 12 because yeah. I, I lived in the country. There was a hill. There was coyotes in the woods. So if I break the shot, the ball would go into the woods. I'd get scared. So I would lower the hoops like eight foot, dunk it, and grab the rebound. And that's how I got into it. It was totally like whatever. And then I just happened to stumble across T-Dub and Blake Griffin and D-Rose, Jay Clark, nice. Jay Clizzo. Isaiah, how old were you when you started training, like dunking or training? To- it was uh... – any any time I would see a low rim when I was young, I would like like dunk on it. That was like eleven, Dude, twelve years old. You were destined for this. Yeah, like I I always liked it. Like I, there was always something about dunking. I was like, wow, this is so fun. But when I started doing it consistently, was when my dad got me my first uh, hoop in Utah. That I was like, I think I was thirteen. I want to say twelve, maybe twelve, thirteen. And like I would. I didn't know about pro dunking, so I would literally just pretend I'm like Shaq and do like big man dunks and stuff like that. But yeah, right. So I, no, was, I just copied Michael Jordan. I was like, I'll be like, <laughs> the person to copy. 
so I was 13 when I started formally training to dunk, um, like doing programs and stuff. And I wasn't even lowering like you guys. So it was a little bit different. But that said, I mean, collectively, you know, there's what, Austin, you're 22, 23? 24. 24. You're 24? You don't care about my birthday. <laughs> you're an old man. <laughs> I've been dunking for, I've been able to dunk for almost nine years now. Okay, so I've been able to dunk since I was 15, so that's 14, 14, well, so 14 to 15 years, I was like the end of 14, about 15. Isaiah, how long have you been able to dunk? Uh, it's about to be nine years in a few months. Right, so collectively, there's over 30 years worth of training age <laughs> between the three of us. And, that's actually crazy to think about. Yeah, that's insane. Um, and so with that said, if you're listening to this and you haven't, you know, obsessed about dunking or loved it as much as, you know, we have at a pretty, pretty young age, it is really important to go through those periods of training correctly. And we try to do it ourselves. Uh, some of this is experimental too. You know what I mean? I, I, for myself, there's a lot of times where I'm trying to learn and there's not necessarily a research article that's going to tell me exactly what I need to do and guide that, that process. I've done that stuff as many times. I've done that stuff tens of 20, 30, 40 times, um, in my life over the last 14, 15 years, Isaiah has trained appropriately, you know, pretty much since he's he used to have really good training, then just basically dunked and then started training really well again. So, you know, his is five years of that. And we experiment stuff with him as well, you know, in terms of the training and Austin, you know, you've had I'm experimenting right now. <laughs> experimenting right now. So, and so it's, it's, it's like, you know, we're, we're kind of at the, the pinnacle of, of this stuff and training and, and trying to push the boundaries of, of what's capable and, and test things out. And uh, mm-hmm. just being said, if you're listening to this and you're hearing this, you're like, well, why the hell do I have to train <laughs> perfectly? If Austin's just on load management, there's still a reason why he's doing load management and he doesn't necessarily do everything perfectly, right? Um, he's still <sighs> uh, uh, what the plan is, is pushes the boundaries on the elastic days maybe. Or, you know, I, I've been counting my jumps. I used to like, when I was on load management, I'd go have three hour sessions by myself. I stopped. I've been increasing five jumps each session. Maybe. Well, not really like one or two. I mean, five, I did 20 jumps today and I cut it. Yeah. So, but my point is that sometimes okay. here comes a point where you want to test things out and that's kind of where the three of us are. Isaiah less. So he's pretty good about following the plan, which is good. Um, <laughs> he is a monk. He's an unanxious he's monk. He's more predictable. <laughs> Um, anyways, guys, I feel like that's a good stopping point. So, you know, hopefully we'll do this again on, on Tuesday. I'm going to try to upload this video ASAP. Um, but as I said at the beginning, guys, thanks for listening. If you guys are interested in, in coaching, go to teachbestrength.com. Best jump training in the world. Do you guys have anything else to add before we peace out? No, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Believe in yourselves and be patient. Like the video. Leave a comment. We'll answer comments. Subscribe. If it's on uh, our podcast, make sure you comment. Uh, appreciate you Hit guys. the five stars. Five stars. And we will add John you. on Snapchat. John Evans. Uh, under- <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you guys. <laughs> Yo, you know, you know what's 